Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast, we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, the places a dive, and scuba in the news. Episode 508 is recorded live September 9th, 2021. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. Joining me once again, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Doing very well. We've had some nice diving for the last five days. We've had a couple of storms, but uh, all in all, it's September. Yeah. yeah. The last hurrah. Yeah, yeah it is. It's in, in, This is the weather where the, the water hasn't realized it needs to be cold again. <laughs> so you, you can kind of sneak in and get a little bit of that end of the year warmth. Uh, still well, you out figure there. we've got about we've got about a month to go before the leaves start to fall. Once they start to fall, then the river diving's out. Yeah, the the uh, poplar trees in my yard started falling uh, earlier in the week. So about Monday, I came outside. I'm like, darn it! I just mowed. What's this happening? Uh, and they'll they'll go they'll go first. Maples haven't even hinted at turning, but they, they won't be too long. Yeah, we're. It will be here before we know it. We'll have some of that happening. So let's see. I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We have uh, Dave, Aaron, and Eric are in there. So thank you very much. Appreciate everybody who listens. And uh, the on YouTube, we're slowly crawling our numbers up. Still have quite a ways to go, but... Uh, It'll take a while. And then last week's episode, as everybody had said, the chat room was right. Uh, we did run into some issues with there uh, being a delay. I don't know what it is, so I've rebooted my system clean, and uh, they'll let us know if we get that delay again. But there's, it, it's something odd. I'm, I'm going to blame, I'm going to blame my system, but I'm not quite sure what it is that was causing it. So we know it's not happening tonight. So far. So far, nobody's nobody's told me. No, nobody's yelling at us. I like it when they don't yell at us. Well, let's get, jump right on into the news. First article that we have up is after two years in Georgia. This one's from the Journal Courier. Heavy lifting is nearly done. Can we believe that? Say it's not oh. possible. <laughs> it's been it's been an easy, cheap story for us for about every week for the last three years. It says two years ago, but uh, two years after the cargo ship overturned along the Georgia coast, heavy lifting to remove most of the vessels nearly done. There will further breakdown of the wreckage and final cleanup is expected uh, to take several more months. Wednesday marked the second anniversary of capsizing of the South Korean freighter Golden Ray, which was tipped over shortly after departing 
port of Brunswick on September 8th, 2019. The crew was rescued safely, but hauling away the shipwreck, including its cargo of 4,200 automobiles, turned into a slow and messy demolition effort. Roughly three-fourths of the vessel remains have been removed since November when salvage crews began slicing the shipwreck into eight giant chunks. A towering crane straddled the wreck using brute force to drag the length of anchor chain through its hull like a uh, blunt edge saw. You know, I, I was thinking, because there were vehicles in there, weren't there? They were just, like, sitting there because it was a cargo carrier? Oh. I bet they could have gotten it out if they'd found the people who stripped the cars in five minutes in Detroit. I, I think that's <laughs> what they needed to do is, you know, do it as, like, a little bit of an incentive or, or, or have it as, like, a challenge. You know, do, like, a little bit of lottery. Or but, free. Have it free. Free. Take what you can get. Yeah, free. Take what you can get, you know. You know Almost upside down and sideways on a, a, a wreck in the middle of nowhere. But. It's, it's a, an ecology dive. That is the ultimate. Yeah, yeah, that would have been the ultimate. Imagine? Oh, yes. I, I can imagine, but it, not practical. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't that deep. <laughs> <laughs> so If you get there early, get the ones close to the doors. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're saying on Wednesday, the last two big sections remain in the water off St. Simmons Islands, about 70 miles south, which is 112 kilometers of Savannah. The final cut to separate them was finished over the weekend. Workers used mechanical crane to pluck cars and SUVs from the interior of one remaining sections to shed some of the weight before loading on the barge in the coming days. The Coast Guard Petty Officer 2nd Class Michael Himes, a spokesman for the Malta Agency Command overseeing the demolition, another barge is being prepared to carry the ship's final section, and is expected to be ready for at least another week. It's obvious we are very close to the end of the wreck removal phase. We are committed to being as safe now as we were throughout the response, so slow and smooth and steady helps us stay safe. Even after giant chunks of the shipwreck are out in the water, the salvage job is far from over. At least three sections of the ship, possibly four, will be needed to broken down further for the local dock before they can transport it to the barge for a cycle uh, for scrapyard in Louisiana. I'm saying it should take several months. Meanwhile, crews will need to recover cars and other debris that fell in the water as a golden ray was being carved into giant pieces. Uh, then they have to remove metal shipping containers and rock placed around the partly submerged wreck to stabilize it during demolition, as well as take down the giant mesh barrier installed around the site that contains the debris. I wonder how the oil recovery uh, came about. Did they? I, I haven't heard anything on that. Did that? If it had been real, real bad, I think you would have heard a lot from the environmentalists. I think they said there's that oil and debris, but I mm -hmm. think it's collective, almost a 50-mile stretch, though. From that whole little line and i think the biggest part is it's in the marshes mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily the humans are seeing it but vegetation and the animal animal life is what has been impacted yeah yeah and i've not seen any pictures of that either which surprises me we we saw a little bit at the beginning but it's sometimes it's hard to tell if they're stock photos or if they're the actual real photos yeah. current Let's take a look at this next one. We have Brownie Marine Group, a complete acquisition of Submersible Systems Incorporated. I don't think we've we had talked about this one before because I didn't I didn't remember it. Uh, Brownie Marine Group, which is a leader leading developer, manufacturing distributor of tankless dive equipment and high pressure air industrial compressors in the marine industry, announced it had completed the acquisition of Submersible Systems which is a manufacturer of life-breathing systems based in Huntsville, California. 
So uh, submersible systems produces spare air. Uh, it's that redundant air supply that as divers we see in the dive shops and laugh at because it, it what's that like two breaths? Actually, they are better than that. Mm -hmm. And they have two sizes, you know. Well, they have multiple sizes now. Right. Um, and, you know, it's really a big deal if you're a helicopter pilot, especially in the military, because they have those, especially when you work around water. Mm -hmm. If the chopper goes down, you want to be able to get out. And it's a little harder to do that in a chopper. And they actually have the spare airs as part of their emergency gear. Yep. And that makes that makes perfect sense. If you're absolutely I mean, any breath you can have that you wouldn't have is a great breath of air. <laughs> so especially if you're talking, you know, the first 15, 20 feet. And part of it, thus, like with scuba diving, it's trying not to panic. You're in, you're in a stressful situation. Your helicopter, your plane's going down. Uh, you've, you're you're probably starting to roll, and water's coming up the canopy. Uh, if you can get out, that will give you a little bit of confidence that you can get to the surface. Because you, you've got time to disconnect your harness, find the emergency door, yep. and rotate out. And if you've ever been in a dunk tank, that ain't that easy. I have not been in the dunk tank, but I have uh, seen that uh, some of the training that they go through, and uh, mm -hmm. that's it's tough. Um, and that's for a regular aircraft. Uh, chopper is a little bit different in that they invert, mm -hmm. and then you got a lot more stuff on top of you than you did a canopy. Yeah, yeah, because when on the the chopper, the weight's up high, isn't it? Is that why it inverts when it when it goes in the water? Well, yeah, it will depend on the chopper and the type of, you know, did it have flotation gear, control crash, how bad are the seas? There's so many variables. Mm -hmm. So it says, we are excited to partner with the management team at Submersible Systems, which has a long history providing life-saving equipment and the perfect addition to the, our portfolio of companies. This is the first acquisition we've made since we began strategic initiative to find companies that have unique technologies, manufacturing know-how, in the industry, recreational aquatic industries, and the perfect size for first transaction, says Chris Constable, CEO of Brownies Marine Group. Submersible Systems has a revenue of approximately $1.8 million in 2019, reduced by the effects of COVID on their customer base in 2020 to one4 believe that their balance sheet is strong. They have excess capacity that will provide a warehousing or production advantage on the West Coast. Among the many things we like about Submersible Systems is that they've been in business for approximately 40 years, making quality products in the United States just like we do here at Brownies. Uh, they're also a U.S. government-approved contractor, making life-saving devices that relies on many militaries around the world, which will allow the combined entities to leverage combined technology to expand the U.S. government footprint of product offerings. Now, in the spare air, do you think, you know, if you're using it in aircraft, isn't it almost like a fire extinguisher? You buy it once and it just kind of sits there. They probably have a I little. I hope it just didn't sit there. <laughs> I'm sure they got a a um, checklist on it that you check it and it's charged before every flight. Is that something that you would that you would that would be on a pre-flight checklist to check the spare? It sure as hell be on mine. I'll tell you <laughs> that. Hmm. Did you go to uh, see some of the other items that they they uh, sell? That blue three, by the way, what that is, is it a battery powered um, hookah rig? You're talking about uh, submersible systems or brownie? Well, we're talking about their, part of their, their stuff is the blue three. That's one of the items they own and they, they sell. 
So it's not just spare air, but it's um, it's called Nomad. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Hmm. That's one of the types they have. They also have a smart reg. So they do, they do sell quite a few things. Yeah. Well, and that would be a good acquisition. That makes it an even better acquisition for Brownie because then that's uh, mm-hmm. uh, that really goes well with their products. Is, is Brownie like one of the primary suppliers for hookah? I don't know. I know back in the old days, um, Browning was one of the ones you would talk about when mm-hmm. you got one. Um, and if I look at it, it's... Um, a more modern version because the ones we used to have were engine driven. That's the one I'm looking at here is a battery driven. It's pretty nice. They also have the Nomad online diving training course. So if you got this and you're not scuba qualified, at least they have a training course for it, but I don't know what it is yet. I haven't looked at the training course, but it's free. You buy their rig, you can get the training course. Oh, wow. And isn't, isn't that what we always talk about, though, is where you buy some of these items and what kind of training did they have? Yeah. Because yeah. you know as well as I do, 30 foot on a hookah, you can blow your lung really. And feet on a hookah, you can blow your lung. Yeah. So that blue three, yeah, so that's that's one that Brownie had then. Yep. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm bringing it up right now. That's kind of a nice uh, looking product. So you're mm-hmm. you're a snorkeler and you drag that behind and it gets you down. I mean that for for most people, uh, that does need you. I they do need to address the training, which it sounds like they are. Oh, there you go. Your favorite thing there. So doing a little bit of metal detecting. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I was down at the harbor a couple of weeks ago, cruising around looking at some of the boats and talking to some of the crew. And it uh, surprised me how many of them either have a dive rig on board, mm-hmm. I mean a regulator and tank, or a hookah rig. And I was curious, why do you have it? And he says, well, with the bigger boats, it's cheaper for them to do their own hull cleaning. If they have some kind of issue with their rudder, their prop, mm-hmm. the you know, their shaft, they go down and take a look at it. And it's like I talked to a couple, they're not scuba qualified, but uh, they're conversant with don't hold your breath type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it doesn't take full scuba certification to use it, but hopefully they've got some sort of, you know, don't, don't hold your breath. Don't. Yeah. Cause the, the Nemo system max depth is 10 feet. The Nomad max depth is 30, which means you obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, you're not going to go past that. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is you just don't have enough line. Like the shot we're showing yes. here on the screen now, uh, and this is the blue. But that, I, uh, is that battery powered or compressor? I mean, yes, battery powered. Battery powered. Oh, battery powered compressor. How would this be for the river other than you got your snag hazard? Well, Jake has one. Does he have like the blue, or does he have the uh, the? No, he has a he has a different brand, mm-hmm. uh, but it's battery operated. Uh, I had him out at Paw Paw, and the purpose, of course, was metal detecting. Mm-hmm. And for that, you're talking 10, 15 feet max. Generally, you're not even ten. You're not even past shoulder high, which is what five feet. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're on the bottom, hey, that's a nice little system. And you've seen the one at Wolf's, right? It basically has a flotation ring. You put mm-hmm. your tan. Yep. You're not wearing a BC. Yep. Yeah, and and for anybody who's wondering, we they're not a sponsor. We're not getting any money from this. We're just interested in taking a peek to see what they have. So this came up. It was released as a press release. So yeah, they're hoping people do what we're doing with it and talk about it. But I don't have any investments in either of these companies. Tankless diving system. Uh, sea lion, two to four divers. That seems kind of a lot, but yeah, that, that one they're saying they can go down to 65 feet. I bet you that maximum depth just increases the pressure and base systems. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some, some good stuff, but you know, us three, we're, we're in the, we're free from shore connection as a scuba diver. So, but yeah, I, I look at this a little bit as like a drug dealer, you know, you get them hooked on some of this and maybe they've come full-fledged scuba divers get it get them started in there and it makes sense you know for a boat you know you're you're out there you got a line caught in the prop be able to drop down and cut it out otherwise you're doing breath holds and you know swim goggles and but that gets old pretty quick especially in your low vis low vis takes a little bit extra time no is it not oh here you here you come back there we are Hopefully the wasn't like I was talking to myself. I heard you. I heard you perfectly fine. <laughs> that's that's what it's about. <laughs> so let's take a look at this next article. This one is uh, who did this? It's a Pennsylvania newspaper, PA homepage, and it says uh, and and really give everybody a, a sneak peek about. What it is, is it's, they're doing what we do. This is a guy who is on a lake. I'm, I'm picturing something like Pawpaw Lake. He says, for years, people have sent their summers on Harvey Lake, but have you wondered what lies beneath? One man found out in the local history preserve at the bottom. His discoveries give us a snapshot of what it's been like for decades or even centuries. Charlie Riley's boathouse, a treasure trove of things. He found scuba diving at Harvey's Lake. Each of them is a piece of history. I'm going to just open up another panel so I can continue to read and then let everybody see a little bit of this, this video there. Can you see that, Mac? That's showing up. Yes, I see the video of Harvey. Yep, yep, there he's doing his thing. Where is Harvey Lake? Because if he's being able to get Civil War artifacts, we need to be going there. <laughs> it's uh, Pennsylvania. Road trip, road trip. Yeah, road trip. Uh, he says they stopped making these bottles in the 1900s. They would have a cork in them, a little metal tab that sticks out, and you'd pound the tab and then drink from the bottle, which all of us are familiar with those as Hutchies. Uh, he sound everything from uh, water skis to Civil War artillery. He likes to look at each bottle, thinks each one tells a story. He, he, he says, I was sitting on the dock looking at the bottle, wondering who had this bottle, you know, 90 year old ago. And what did they think when they threw it in? Where did it go and what was in it? Why did they have it? So it's kind of neat to wonder. And he, he's thinking the exact same things I think when I, when I'm out there. 
Sure. The, the last person who held that. Um, and then uh, we'll have some, there's some photos that, you know, we'll get down there and, and show a little bit. Uh, like, like this one, Mac. Uh, let's see, right there. That's something out of a horror movie. Baby doll in the lake. This is when you see swim by, it grabs you around the neck. Uh, he said he could be on the verge of uncovering another mystery at the lake, a legendary sunken sheem, uh, steamboat, at least 80 feet deep. Riley says his real goal is to share it with the kids one day. I look forward to the day I can take uh, he as well as my daughter hopefully diving with me. It's a great excitement I can look forward to. Charlie said one of his oldest finds is a V-coin from the 1800s. He says he has no desire to sell any of it. He wants to build some shelves to display his growing collection. Very cool. And we know what that's like. We always like to see what's on the bottom. Yeah, you, you find something different, and everything has a story. It didn't just materialize there. Somebody purchased it, bought it, used it. Discarded it. Discarded it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of it was just trash. You know, it's like, I'm done with it. But then, then there's the stuff like kids' toys. You know that there's some kid who was like playing with it, trying to make it float, and it just got away. Yeah. Or maybe another kid took it from him and were playing keep away and threw it into the river. Well, the whole key item, though, is out of sight, out of mind, and that was the key way to uh, dispose of objects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ground gets hard during the winter. You can't dig a hole and bury it. Put a no rowboat, put it back out there on the ice. When the ice melts, there goes the boat. And all the stuff off of it. Well, well, here in Bering Springs, the dump for many years was next to the river. You, they had a ferry boat uh, that went across the river before they put the bridge in. Uh, there was a restaurant tavern down there, and there was also just a common junkyard. You just you filled in some of the wetland with whatever trash you had, and that's where it kind of built up. Well, if you dive right there where the inner urban, the first piling that used to be there that's mm -hmm. now on the bottom, yep. if you dive there, you will find bicycles, automotive equipment. Uh, one of the first items we got when we were down there the first time was, uh, remember those auto analyzers? Yeah, yeah. You used to be in the garage and yeah. first thing you ran into <laughs> was a nasty thing going down the side of the cliff. Yep. Well, yeah, a uh, little bit of a local squirrel moment, but you've you've heard what they're doing with that, those abutments now. Yes, they're going to try to build a walkway across, yep. which I think is a grand idea if they get the full funding. Yeah, they they've budgeted for it in the township budget. There's a grant available that they're hoping to get. Um, but there seems to be a lot of interest, and I think that there's some grant money. You know, w w the grant money comes when you spend money. Uh, especially at the local level, so they're they're hopeful, and there's a lot of you know AP is a, uh, AP I and M have been a great local partner with those type of projects. So I think the, they're they're looking forward to that. That maybe they they'll, they'll kick in some. Uh, yeah. Now here's another one close to home, right around the corner. Shipwreck near Michigan City could become the state's second underwater preserve. This one's from the South Bend Tribune. Uh, said in 
9-11, a 211-foot freighter named the Muskegon sank where the fire-scorched hull was abandoned in Lake Michigan. You can see the buoy that marks the watery grave just a little over a quarter mile from Mount Baldy Beach near Michigan City. Now there's an effort to make it Indiana's second underwater nature preserve along the state's 45 miles of the Great Lakes shoreline. Before we get any farther, isn't that already a national, uh, a national historic landmark? I thought it was, too, because they've already done a 3D imaging yeah. uh, on that whole item. Mm -hmm. And that's several years ago when that was broadcast. The same thing with the prop yeah. that's on a display up there in, mm -hmm. in the dunes. Yeah. So I I read this and thought, wow, this is a little. Usually it's um, the other way around. Not sure you, what? Yeah. Well, and so Indiana only has one preserve. They don't have a lot of Great Lake shoreline. Um, you know, yeah, down, big time. You know, you know Berrien County. I think we've got about as much shoreline in our county as they they do in the whole state. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe well, pretty close though. When you think about Berrien, they don't have much. Marion County's got is a is a big county and it's a long county with a lot of shoreline that touches Chicago. By the way, when you think about it, uh, yeah, they because they've got Indiana has from uh, Hammond, Indiana, all the way. You know what? You, know, you got Portage and yeah, uh, yeah. I'd have to. We'll pull up a map, maybe. But the preserve would set rules and boundaries for boats so that they don't set anchor and rip into visible remains like major seg segments of the ship's main frame and sidewalls, its steam engine, twin boilers, propeller, and its dive shaft. For landlubbers, the preserve would mean virtual tours, interactive signs, along with historic buoy, which is also one and a half miles from Michigan City's Washington Park Marina. The director of IU Center for Underwater Science, Charles Becker, a diver himself, is helping the state to nominate the site as a preserve. He'll speak about Muskegon at 1 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Saturday at Michigan City's Library. Um, Becker's asking members of the public to help nominate the site as a preserve through Indiana's Department of Natural Resources. You can do so by emailing a note to scuba at indiana.edu with your name and why you support the preserve. Uh, Beaker also had to help establish the state's J.D. Marshall Preserve for 2019 shipwreck along the Indiana dunes and the coast in 2013. That's a 154 foot craft hauled freight and sand capsizing a storm killing four on board, according to the 2018 paper. Now I have not dove on the Marshall. I have on the on Marshall the, or Muskegon. I've dove on the Muskegon, but I haven't on the Marshall. Yeah. And the, the Muskegon, it's a, it's a nice shallow wreck. You, we like to hit it earlier in the year. It's like one of our, First, second, or third dives typically when we get out in the great, uh, the big lake. Oh, start your, shallow and work your way up. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice shallow wreck. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun dive. It's a good beginner dive. There is potential for some penetration if you are experienced and trained and appropriate. Um, I don't know if I've done that or not. I've I've been in, but I'm I think I might be a little bit large for the. You can swim through the boilers, what some people are doing there. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they're trying to make that a preserve. And, you know, good for them. You know, as somebody who's on the board of, of our local preserve down here, uh, I wish them luck. I hope it works out well. There's a lot of excitement. And, and actually, that would make them, would that make them bordering our preserve or is the other one 
Oh, so we need to see a preserve map. It'd be nice if they put a permanent buoy on it, mm -hmm. on the two major artifacts, like the shaft. Nothing's mm -hmm. going to move if you hook it around the shaft, and they're not going to do any damage to it. Yeah, and, and maybe that's... Maybe one off to the side to the one of the boilers. That would give you more than one area to uh, moor yeah. if you had more than one boat out there. Yeah, because with it being a shallow wreck, you have to drop an anchor on it. I mean, you try not to snag the wreck. Uh, that one's usually pretty easy to pick up on most sonars, so... There's a lot of junk out there, yeah. And it really is a junky type of wreck. I mean, it's a it's it's shallow. You know, ice messes with it, and surprising it's in as good a shape as it is at, as long as it's been there. Mm -hmm. it's quite a large wreck. It's got to be an older picture of the prop, though, because the quaggas and zebras have been getting knocked off pretty good, and that still looks pretty dirty. The propeller in the shaft. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's a photo provided. Uh, I know when I first started diving on the wreck, th they spent a lot of time photographing and documenting it for, for being the national preserve. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then there, it's like, once that was like, oh, we're done. Just leave it. <laughs> nope. Nobody's spending any time with it. Uh, well, Mother Nature's going to take what she wants. Yeah. At least they have a, yeah, at this point in time, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, there's another one from the timbers and i it's it's been it's probably got to been five or six years since i've been down to dive it well it's interesting i mean it's already well known mm -hmm. you know it's it burned yeah they hauled it out uh they tried to salvage it yeah it so is it's been in and out lots of damage to it it's like what are you preserving seriously because mother nature's going to take her course no, no, really what I think you're doing is you're just trying to make it easier for divers and just try not let it get worse. But it was not treated well in the beginning. Uh, yeah. I think if I'm remembering correctly, and this is just off my memory, which isn't the greatest, but that was one that uh, caught fire at dock, and then they push it out in the lake. Yep, fire scorched tall. Yep, and then it... It floated around for a while before it sank. I think it was months it was out there floating. So, And then that, when it broke up, is whenever they started to salvage it. Yeah, yeah, because somebody's like, hey, there's there's a little bit of money here. Uh, so, yeah. I like the part where they say, though, if divers are trained for low visibility, because the visibility usually on that wreck is not that good. No, but because it's, it's shallow. Well, it's a it's a good one because there's not a lot of snag hazard. I remember. I mean, you can snag, but and there is stuff that, like you don't want to go swimming quick because if when the low visibility you can knock your head into the end of a post. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, I would say it's one of the safer wrecks, partially because of its depth and well known, and the conditions usually if. If you don't have high waves, the conditions out there, I, I've never been out there with any significant current. Right. Uh, viz, I think the worst fizz I've had has been five, six inches. The best fizz is maybe <laughs> eight, nine inches. No, I mean, it's probably a, a, a few I've feet. Had, I've had plus 15 feet out there. I've, I've never had 15 feet. I've, I've probably had eight or nine. You know, you can see, like, if you're if there are three divers in a group, you can see the diver next to you, and then you start losing the the one farthest away. But, right. Um, 
it's, it's yeah it's, it's a nice wreck it's it's not too bad to get to you can there's a few spots that you can you know there's a public marina there a couple of them uh and it was almost not not braille but probably five eight foot at max mm-hmm. and back then and you're talking a couple of years back uh you could actually go through the boilers and the stacks yep uh, the highlight of course is the prop because everybody wants to get a picture of the prop and uh I don't think we've ever been on it that we did not either get an anchor or a tackle box. Yep. And, and and something that we need to do as the show is kind of put together a little, like if you're just in the area for, for a few, for like a week, what wrecks? Oh crap. I just lost you again, Mac. Let me see what the heck's going on here. Oh, I, I've got you. I, I, there, the image came back. Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, but we need to put together kind of like if you're only going to be in the area for a week, what are some good things? And this is a good one where you could dive this one from the shore, but that's a lot of work. Yeah. No easy access to the beach mm-hmm. from the beachhead yeah. or where the you know where the yeah. drive is. Yeah. So you want to get with somebody who can get you out there. Um, yeah. But a fish scanner can can find this wreck. If you've got GPS and you, the coordinates are published really well, you can get onto it. But you're in Michigan City. Michigan City's got a casino there. Uh, you've got Lighthouse Place, which is some shopping. It's the old Pullman train yard. Uh, they've turned that into a shopping location. So there's a lot of stuff touristy to do. So if you have people in the family who aren't divers, they have things that, you, that they can do while you're out diving. It's a qu- you're, you're not on a boat for two hours to get out to the wreck. You're on the boat for maybe five, 10 minutes in the channel and another five minutes out there on the wreck. And then on your way in or out, I would probably do it on the way back in. You can dive the uh, breakwater there. Absolutely. And that's a nice dive. If you like fish, I mean, you're not going to get tropical fish like you're going to be in saltwater, but there's a lot of lake fish in there. You're going to see the bass and perch and other fish are going to be hanging around the rocks and whatever happened over the winter will be there. You can always find maybe a jet ski or a sailboat or something stuck there. And that's, that's another shallow. I mean, Muskegon's less than 20 feet. Uh, you've got the, uh, the breakwater is at probably 20, 25 at the most. Well, now, Oh yeah. Is... Okay. You've got, you had three the last time we do, we dove there, we had fantastic visibility on I've, the breakwater. I have had 30, Plus feet on the yep. breakwater. Yep. And that's where you have to see the ski do parts of mass from sailboats that didn't make it. Yeah. But you almost had like three levels of fish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you had a video, you were going to do really, really good on yep. that day. Yeah, that might be one we need to get out there. Uh, make plans for next spring already. Because it's a good, that, that's our warm-up dive. If you haven't been diving over the winter and you're a little rusty and you want to make sure things are, are, are working and functioning, that's a good one to do it on. And then you go to the Havana, which is 45 feet. Yep. Yeah, Havana. And that, out there out of South Haven, Michigan. You got that. That's at 45 feet. And you can do that. Uh, then you want to do a little bit deeper. Then you get to the Rockaway. Do the Rockaway. And now you've done three. And then usually we have somebody who wants to do the iron sides up there in, in Grand Haven. Well, you can do max track at 73 feet. Yeah, max track 73 feet. Um, numbers are a little bit harder to come by, but uh, you can get out there. And then 
Uh, we've got Ironsides at 125. And then once you've... That's a nice wreck. Yeah. It used to be nicer when it was together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it had the hog arches on it. And those have fallen over, so you don't get it. There's there's a lot of fishing gear, if you like to collect fishing gear. Uh, Ironsides the always... The boilers are nice. Yeah, the, the boilers are great to look at. Was that... Do they call those Jack and Jill, if I remember? It's Jack and Jill. Yep, Jack and Jill in the boilers. And that was... I could... That was one of my first deep wrecks coming down. Uh, there's, there's something about diving in Lake Michigan where you have a moderate amount of viz, but, you know, it's not a bad day. And you're coming down the surface and you're looking and I've got 15 feet of viz and you're thinking, crap, I'm not going to see anything. And then you keep going down the line and you can't see the surface and you can't see the bottom. And then at least then the mooring was actually on the wreck. I think they've moved it since. Crap. Yeah. There you come back, Mac. There's something. Yeah, it keeps coming in and out. I noticed. Yeah. That's a little bit odd. Uh, but then you come down the, the, the line, and then you can see the top of the boilers. And then as you go down, the wreck starts to open up, and then you can see the whole wreck there. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great dive. So I like the iron sides. And then we also have the uh, Ann Arbor 5. Uh, you, can, you can stay in recreational limits. You can come down the line, uh, get your photo taken by the prop. Another excellent prop opportunity. Viz is usually pretty good on that wreck. Uh, I've had 80, 90 feet of this. I've had where you can be, it's because it's in 160 feet of water uh, for people who maybe haven't listened for a while and we haven't talked about it, but this is a vessel that in the, was it late seventies? Cause it was, it was used as a breakwater for building the Palisades nuclear plant. And then uh, when they were done using as a breakwater, uh, they, I can't say refloated. They put some bulkheads in, cut parts of it up, and then they were going to drag it across the lake as a salvage. And they had crew members on the vessel uh, running bilge pumps, and uh, I think one of them stopped, and it was no longer to keep ahead of the water leaking, and it sank. So it was not a full shipwreck. It had already been cut in pieces, but what happened is the, what would be the bow section, the bow had already been cut off, but the forward part of the back half speared into the bottom. And the story goes, the people who were on the surface felt it when it went in. And then they kind of just lost where it was. And then later on, it was rediscovered where, and dove on it. So it speared at a fairly severe, let me see if I get my hand. I mean, it's probably, 60 degrees uh, down in the bottom and the props are up so uh, it used to be moored I know in the preserve it's one that we're we're in the process of mooring now but the mooring had traditionally been to the deck this was a ferry vessel so it had rails on the deck and uh, you could come down the the mooring at 125 feet and then go out to the uh, props and, and get a nice photo. Props, depending on the water depth, now that we're a little deeper, it might be 135 or so. But uh, a great wreck. And then if you're in uh, the beginning stages of uh, tech diving, uh, it's a great wreck for that. And then the bottom's at 160. And, and it's, it's, it's one of those, that, like how I said about the iron sights, when you come down, 
you can see that this is one that you can come down and then you can see all the way around it uh it's almost like a painting like if you're going to paint a underwater wreck that's one a little biased it's in our backyard it's in the preserve well uh, technically it's not in the preserve it's outside the preserve but we call it in the preserve and we got permit to moor it so it's so oh, oh. Hold on a second, Mac, uh, because what I'm concerned is when the, the image blanks out, they might not be hearing you. I don't know if that's true, but... I'm back. You're back. I just have to refresh it. So your audio may not be dying, but... Uh, okay. Yeah. So if chat room... Yeah, my, my comment there on the, uh, the boat there was, we really prefer people not to go to the bottom at 160 and do a penetration that's been done once by an individual who got back out and said don't nobody ever do that again yeah yeah it's not a good thing yeah because yeah and i i've heard that story too and that's that's scary that they were able to make it because there's there are spots where somebody thinner than i can can squeeze in the spots and uh it's when, I would not recommend taking, it. Yeah, when you got to start taking your rig off to get it through something yes. so you can follow it or drag it after you, that ain't where I want to be. Yeah. And it's a scrap wreck. It's not worth it. There's there's not enough to see in it. There's other wrecks that are much better for penetration, so I would yes. not do that. Speaking of wrecks that used to be able to penetrate, uh, another one was a material service barge. Well, we had a lot of people die on that one back in the day. Yeah, but it's until a, they started cutting holes and stuff in it, so people had better access and egress to help yeah. prevent people from being. Stupid. Yeah, there, there was uh, rumors there was an explosion at one point in time that opened it up. Not no rumor. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody dynamited it. Yeah, yeah, but the 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 top on that one's collapsed, so it really looks like a boat with no deck. Uh, last time I was on it, that's been another, oh, that's got, that's been, been years, eight or nine years since I've been out there. And there's also a nice tugboat out there. It, it's not a big wreck. I mean, you can see everything to see in five, 10 minutes, but yeah. there's a tugboat there. So you can do the material service barge and you can do that. The tug, maybe the wheeler. I'm remembering. No, wheeler is, uh, north towards. The buffalo, okay. It's uh, pretty much buried. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, now I know. I've never seen that wheeler, that 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 tugboat. Uh, I've asked, and uh, people haven't seen it in a while. Crap, we lost you again here. What is the heck going on with this? Why is not liking you today? Here we go. Pop back in again. Yeah, I just hit the... I got, I got a magic refresh button. Um... Uh, so, and that's the thing with all the software. They do an update and it takes a while for it all to settle down. Uh, let's see. I think we got one more article, but we, we were able to stretch these few articles out quite a bit. Yeah. Is, is that a skill or, or, or something else? But here we have divers explore historic shipwreck in Coral Bay Harbor. In mid-July, a team of divers from several organizations took to the murky waters of Coral Bay Harbor to confirm with several local divers that had quietly alleged for a long time the existence of a partially buried ship dating back to the early 1700s that could prove to have great historical significance. Uh, is that Jay 
Egler, a board member and lead instructor for Diving with a Purpose, was part of a 10-member team that included members of his organization, the National Association of Black Scuba Divers and Society of Black Ar Archaeologists and Search Incorporated. The purpose of the expedition was assist in defining the age of the wreck, assessing its size, documenting part of the ship that's currently exposed. And why is it? Oh, you came back. Uh, currently exposed, nearly 30 feet of the ship is above the muddy bottom, but we still believe, uh, find my spot, but we believe there's more covered in the sand and silt. <laughs> so, eh, who knows? Uh, yeah, I, because here's the, my, my phone's, my phone's at 3%. So, let me, can you see that? Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's, it's happy. I mean, the, the, the satellite's working. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll just, yeah, maybe, yeah, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll continue on. Uh, back on this, uh, just in the age of the rack, uh, further testing and excavation is warranted. Um, I work in the day the wreck Hegler was able to speculate it might be possible that we have stressed the word might the ship is associated with slave insurrection of 1733. After local divers bought further attention to the historic preservation office. We've, we've covered this one before. I mean, it's a good article if, you, if you're uh, into shipwrecks on the East Coast. Um, I, I'm amazed how, how often this particular article keeps getting brought back up and up and up. Is there any current findings on each of those? Well, that's what I can't find because it's like I feel like I'm rereading stuff that we've covered before. Uh, we dived it, found clay pipes and bottles, muskets, barrels, crossed an anchor. And it's just these are all just old reports from some as, as far back as seven, eight years ago. I think now what they're trying to do, I think part of this is, is looking for money and then they're in the process. They're trying to create a museum. So I think they, they try to get the, the shipwreck uh, people interested in it again so they can, it helps them with money with, with doing the museum. Um, money is nice. Yeah, well, you need it. I mean, either you got to be independently wealthy and do it yourself or you find people deep pockets or grants or some other. So that's, kind of what the purpose this is. So I, we wish them luck and that they can do it. But unfortunately, there's nothing new uh, in this. So that does it for Scuba in the News. Hopefully, everybody who's been streaming along uh, is able to connect. And <laughs> yeah, Karen says, it keeps freezing up and on me. I'm not sure if it's my connection or yours. It doesn't matter. It's either. <laughs> you know, if mine's bad. It's bad. If it's uh, you as a viewer, it's bad. It's, you're both going to lose it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, my, mine's, mine, I'm not in the, in the past. And I've been on Starlink for, gosh, probably, when did I get on that? I have to look it up. But it's been at least six months. Oh. And it's been getting better all the time. Oh. Well, I say getting better. It gets, the quality of the service gets better. 
the maximums of the service gets worse, and that's because there's more people on it. You know, more more people driving down the same road using the same service. It is uh, impacting the bandwidth. So you, you see in the message boards a lot of people complaining they can't get any dates in their Starlink. Uh, they have to be able to make the the receivers, which they the chip shortage has affected them. But then they're also being very careful of where they add somebody. So if you're in an area that's highly used, they have to wait till they have more satellites and ground stations before they can add somebody to it. Well, the next update to the satellite is uh, the satellites will talk to each other with lasers, and that's supposed to increase the services can cover so they're saying the antarctic and the arctic will both be able to have internet uh, because now what it does is when i'm talking like right now when we're streaming it's going from my satellite dish up to the satellite and then down to a ground station when they have the interconnects between the satellites it can hop three four dozen satellites and then come down so hopscotch connection but yeah it, it's been working for me my wife complains about how expensive it is but 100 bucks a month yeah karen says i hope i get on it soon i'm signed up for starlink well they just announced that they're you know, they, they i think they've got over a hundred thousand on it um and they're rapidly increasing the building of the of it so i think next year at this time we'll see half a million so oh and and Karen, when when you signed up, did they give you an estimated date? What was it? Twenty? Uh, was it this year? I've heard of some people uh, getting uh, third or fourth quarter of twenty twenty. Back then, twenty 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 two. I'm sorry, is what I meant. Twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, get that time machine out. Uh. So, okay, well, let's see what, let's, let's talk about some of the diving. How's the diving been going? Uh, the rover has been wonderful. Remember last week, I might've told you about the place you and I went about. Yes. Yep. Well. Oh, not, now you've been back. Oh yeah. Three times we've been back since last week. Oh, really? Oh yeah, we've been diving fools out there. So, so have you seen the pictures? Oh, well, should I should I take a peek? I, no, we put some we put some pictures out there. I think it's on the club site. I I think I did see. You talk about it on Facebook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm gonna go on the Facebook now. I'm I'm getting you know I make my living off computers, but I really hate the damn things. Ah. Facebook doesn't want you to see what you want to see. They want you to see what they make money on. Let me tell you, they have so many of those spam advertisements. Oh. Even when you report them, you see the same one, and they change some kind of name on the top, but the ad, the same item. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to buy any decent compressor, computer, any of that for $89, period. And why they allow that and why they keep doing it, I just do not understand. They make money on it. <laughs> well, I mean, if they're going to, you know, tell us that we can't do something because we're bad. Hypocrites? 
mean, yeah, well, we know that's for damn sure. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care one, one bit. So let's see here. How's Money this? Money talks. Yeah, so, so that so there's some. Yeah, and if you enhance that, you'll notice that's a nice intact jug. Uh, I'm, I was getting um, lightning stoppers. I got two of those. One bottle was broke. I brought it up anyway because of the stopper was still in it. The other one is still got the top on, rusted shut with the liquid in it now, and embossed. Now, is this? I haven't cleaned that one th yet. This this photo, your finds? Oh, that was mine and Maribeth's. Yeah. And I think Jake had the fishing pole and a few things at the top. Oh, he the was just going around uh, snorkeling, mm -hmm. picking up stuff. And this was at the launch. He didn't go down to the where the good stuff is. Yeah, there's a croc in there I saw. Yeah. Croc, and then you had... I left, I left, I left that up by the uh, fishermen's. Mm -hmm. See if somebody would take it. Nobody did yet. Yeah. And then I saw there was uh, some milk jugs. How, how was the milk? Was it a new emboss on it or... Uh, I, I actually, I found, uh, I've never, a WC Rice, and I'd never seen one for that, and I uh, posted on the Nile site to see if somebody knew something about it. I think that was some of the items that uh, Deb got, and that top bottle to the second to the left, you can't really see it very well. I've, I've always, I've talked for years uh, that I need to get some of those old beer bottles and refill them. Now is that an A and P stamp book? Is that what that is? It's very. It's a miniature or something. And the only thing I could think of something like that is part of a chemistry set. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like something that might have been a um, barometer. Okay. But I did. I got some video the other day too. I took uh, the car is pretty much filled up again. You'd have to dig it out. Jump oh bottles. yeah. Well, that car um, that car had to had to go through cycles of being buried, because I think when we found it that first time, it's like that's a spot we've been to and just never saw anything, and then here this car's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we did, we got I got pictures of that. Got pictures of a gang box that's full of bottles. Uh, what else we got? Oh, I found those two boats. And uh, there's a couple of sections, I swear to God, I bet there's a thousand beer bottles. <laughs> and that's all in seven foot of water to the shore under the trees and stuff. So that's where the leaves are going to fall first and obscure it. Be 20 feet into about 15 feet of water. And you got sand pumped up over some logs. And that is where some good stuff is if you dig. So I, I got a couple of keepers for sure. And you can start getting some green and orange glass. I don't know what it is yet, but because most of the stuff I was getting was broke. But uh, yeah, we're going to be going back there again. Yeah. So here, here's some more photos from the dive. I think that's from the divers. Oh, that was from the one we did earlier in the week when we're up at uh, Riverview Park and we went across where it was nice having Jim there with his boat to tow you across because that current would kick your butt. And on the other side, you had a lot of down trees that you really have to be careful of impalement if you're going, if the current got a hold of you and switched you back. And definitely carry a knife that you can get to it because um, you will snag yourself once in a while. Yeah. yeah, that's some of the, just laying there for you. Yeah. See, 
So some of them may have been staged, meaning that none none of those are staged. Oh, these, these are just the way I collect nope, piles. That's just the way I found them. Yeah. Because yep. we usually blame you when we find them. We're like, ah, Mac's been here. <laughs> that's a very nice bottle there. I got that out. There's two pictures. I think one mm -hmm. half dug, come out. That's that WC Rice bottle. Okay. I, I like seeing them right there. Yeah, there's your milk bottle. Yeah, it came out nice. Yeah, your your gloves have seen some better days there. Uh, when I started this three, four dives ago, those were brand new gloves, and I've got the fingers ripped out of three of them. <laughs> this is, fingers on each this is four dives? Yeah. You're, you're not supposed we, to grub with the gloves. Yeah, they're not yours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, some of well, your you dives are. Uh, how, how long is uh, is some of your dives though at this these shallow depths? Um, hour and a half, maybe plus. At Pompa, I've been getting over two hours on a tank. Yeah. But you're talking five and six feet though. Up there, 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 I see you got a friend there in the corner. He's watching. Yeah, and that, those are just, oh, I had one on each corner. Yeah. They're by, you know, the biggest one to get the crayfish first. Yeah. But that's on per, uh, certain parts of it, you've got the gravel and up near the trees and stuff that are down. That's exactly what you're finding, just like that. Just laying there. Take me. And you'll notice off by the bottle to the right, that's a medicine. Mm -hmm. Totally in shape. Yep. No cork that was embossed. I did take that one. And, and, the bottle, though. And, and it's not like the this is virgin ground this is stuff that we've been over a hundred times yeah but we've had what well we we haven't dove this now for a year and a half almost two years because of the floods yes so all of this is that thing was just sitting there that's a crock just sitting there <laughs> you don't find them standing up it's like take me take big sign not take me take me please yeah and i did you got it. Actually, I gave it away, though. Somebody on the, on the service wanted it, so I gave it to them. Mm. Yep. And and what is that collected in? Is that like a tray or something? Oh, yeah. There's a, it looks like a gang box was down there. That's got to be left over from two years ago, though, because see how the green mosses or slime is all over the bottles? Mm -hmm. That's got to be from a couple of years ago our discards, but it never hurts to go back through them sometime. No, no. Well, I've, I've found some of my best bottles are the ones that you stacked up and thought were no good. Until <laughs> <laughs> you get them, till you clean them up and get them out of the water, it's sometimes hard to tell what you've got. Yeah, you've got to be careful what you throw away. Yeah. That was a tray. Just, I mean, you could see it from 10 feet away. Just sitting there. Now, had it been porcelain, I would have taken it with aluminum. Yeah. Porcelain you, would have been a nice find. Because you have to decide. You only got so much room in your catch bag. Well, you can always come back. Yeah. Well, I, I what I like to do is if I got any room, I I want to bring something up because I don't want to find something I didn't want again. You know, it's better to take it up and throw it away, get the trash out of the water. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's... And this, There's another medicine. And for those who maybe haven't been following the show, this is uh, Niles, Michigan, the city of Four Flags. Uh, it's an area that has been occupied by four different nations, which is hard to believe. 
Uh, you've got the Americans, the British, the French, and the Spanish. All Not to count the Indians. Well, the, the very true there. Exactly. Yep, there's a medicine bottle a little closer up front. Uh, I think you're going to not have a lot of... You're going to have a lot of love with that racket. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> it's an old wooden racket. It yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Give you a little bit of idea how it breaks down, and then you're seeing is that, that some zebra muscles opened up? How, how are clams? No, not zebras. Those are actual clams. Oh, those are actual clams? I was going to ask yep. how clams were. Last time I dove, there was quite a uh, few. Very good, especially down at the other end where we were diving. They were really, really nice. But, you know, you how many wheels, how many hubs? Mm -hmm. On the opposite side, you can find mufflers, starters, shock absorbers, steering columns. Where those come from, I have no clue. Yeah. A lot of those, you know, people put down as riprap around their yards. Yeah, there's there's a lot of automotive parts. And, and yes. on parts of the river here... There's houses. There's houses up on a hill. You know, there might be up a, on the bluff. Yeah, a bluff. There's a high bank, maybe 20, 30 feet up. And I think some people just like, I'm, I, why, why take it out and throw it out? I just throw it out the backyard. I, you know, you throw it high enough in an arc and you can hear it splash. Yep. So. And then I think there's a while there where some people thought that if you threw trash, it would actually attract fish. There's a toilet. Well, you know, you never know when you got to go. Yes. Yeah. It was sort of handy. Yeah. I mean, uh, wetsuit drivers, we, we got it built in. Uh, is that a mug there or like a... Yes, it is. It's just sitting there with a gold band around it saying, take me, take me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what a See, beautiful If, if you want to know why you want to scuba dive in the river, this is it right there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've got to clean out my, that's part, part of my, my time off here is I just don't have enough place to display some of it. I have to give some of my finds up. I've been giving mine away because I got too damn much. There's your, your fish buddy there. He's, Those are the fish that will be all over you, yep. especially if you got any kind of crayfish. Yep. It's like, they're, they're like, okay, pick up another bottle. I'm ready. Yep. Yep. Move a rock, move a rock. And I have seen them get crayfish. Like they just snap them and... Get them right yep. now. We're getting them free meals. They they are not afraid of us at all. I think um, actually Mary Beth last week, the last night before last, was actually finding neon fish that you would expect to find in a in a tank dive or oh, really uh, aquarium. Yep, uh -huh. I have seen them before. They're always in two, three feet of water, always by the shore, never out. And they're just awesome looking neon fish. I don't know what they are and I never have got a picture of them. Hmm. But I didn't see any this year. Uh, one lamprey, that was a couple of dives ago in that same area. But that's uh, across the bridge or across from the walkway, just mm -hmm. to the left. And before you get to the first bridge, but there's a lot of trees out there, a lot of snags. And, well, you know, you almost have to anchor your flag because it's going to get snagged on stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then you go back with your gear. If you took a goodie bag instead of one of the time things, you could probably collect more. But yeah. there's a lot of drag out there. If you didn't have a river stick, you were screwed. Mm -hmm. Karen was saying they had some great diving in Sheboygan last week. 
So they, they she has some great pictures of her walkabouts too. Mm-hmm. Yep, I have to. Well, like I said, I got pictures of uh, the car, the two boats, a nice turtle that was playing around me, and uh, obviously we're going to go back. So get your suit ready. Get my suit ready. Yeah. Oh. You're no suitor. You don't. They, I think I was using nothing. Uh, most of them are using three mils just to keep the road rash off. Yeah. Well, the, my, mine's. The so I think mine average is a three mil. <laughs> is a is a seven eight that uh, uh, got big chunks out of it. I think that comes yeah, out to about yeah. three. I do that so that the water can get out. Among other things. Well, do you have a dive safety story for the week? Well, actually, I, I, it's not a safety story per se, but, you know, we, we like to talk about why we dive, and it's a lot of fun, but it's more than that. It's, uh, you know, what life lessons can we get from scuba diving? Uh, scuba diving is one of those activities that changes you in many ways, not just through the training, but also by what you see and experience underwater. It has a lasting effect on how you experience the world above, actually. Now, a lot of sports and hobbies can reinforce your character and teach you valuable life lessons. So what parallels can we drive from scuba diving? Now, diving that translates into lessons we can take with us and apply in a day-to-day life. Now, I can think of at least five ways in which we think scuba diving has changed our lives. Now, probably the biggest one is becoming more appreciative of nature. You know, I was really not... Thank you. That, those are good words. And while you were chatting, I'm sitting here fighting with YouTube and, and streaming. So hopefully. Yep, so we're there. Okay. Well, that, that was a good story. So hopefully I don't have to cut all that out because it got corrupted. Hopefully. Hopefully. So then this weekend you said there's going to be some diving going on hope so I'm trying to think of one i could fix high noons are always the best because oh yeah, i agree we're getting towards the end of it. it's it's me. <laughs> lots and lots of when we came back and god i can't we've been diving so much it's hard to remember which day it was mm-hmm. it must have been monday the holiday that boat launch Every, every place you could put a, a boat or a car with a trailer was full. How, how's it been with the fishermen and the boat users? Is it, have they been pretty cooperative? They've been in the middle, middle or the opposite side. <laughs> okay. Because I know they can get a little bit grumpy. I've, that, that's some of the... I love diving there, but there's just certain people, they just get really aggressive against the scuba divers and that just makes it no fun because i don't want to go there i i can get i can go to work and get aggravated i don't need to do it on my time off and i hate like feeling like i'm giving in let somebody be a jerk but i don't remember really ever having an oh. issue with the fisherman i've i've in there in niles i've had it three different times really yeah and the same thing in in saint joe it's usually Somebody thinks that you're there to mess with their lines or to scare the fish away or something, and I just have had problems there uh, by the piers normally. I don't, I usually, if they've got, I haven't had any problem with anybody with a boat. 
but it's usually the shore fishermen that I've, that I've had. If, if I, well, if you're on the pier, though, I, I usually go down and talk to them before I go down. So I'm by my flag. If I find anything interesting or any parts I'm going to bring up and leave on the boat on the side, if you see me come up and there's something I'm holding you want, come get it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, I, and usually by then they're saying, "Okay, go find me something." Yeah, yeah, that that's an excellent approach. But uh, most of these times, it's been they they weren't there uh, when I went in. Yep. So yep. they they came later, and then they're just yeah. It's 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 happened two or three teams. I mean, well, my standard answer is always the same. I'm doing Clodopera studies and fish vegetation investigation <laughs> that's good and i reported to u of m yep you got a problem with that talk to the dnr there you they go usually shut the hell up yeah yeah well pe people tend to respect people working so let's see then anything else you want to cover before we get on out of here nope i think we're pretty much done uh yeah. it was nice having those pictures to look at that yeah those are great photos thank you thank you for putting those in there and I think I'm that, going to try to get some of that crap to you that I've got yep. that I have not put on anything. So yeah, like yeah I, I, I need some of the videos. I'd love to uh, like uh, edit some videos of a dive that you've done there in the river and let people uh, some see. Of some of them are nice because some of them are actually very clear. So you got to go through a whole bunch to get, you know, yeah. thirty seconds a snippet of something good. Yeah, that, that's kind of the challenge of that. I've I've had a few ideas yeah. of some some stuff we could do with them, but for the vast majority of time. And usually for me, in an hour and a half dive, it's 50 minutes of eh, and then right as you get to the end is when you hit the honey hole. It's always that way. And you're, <laughs> I'm down to 500 pounds. And, oh, my God, look at that. Yeah, you, you're sitting there thinking, well, do I need to empty the bag because there's better stuff I'm finding and now? And I'm on this side of the river, and I still got to get back. Yep. Well, 500 pounds. You know, if you got Big John out there with the boat, you can do that. If you ain't got big yeah. time with the boat, you ain't going to stick around to 500 pounds and try to get back across that river. No, no. Yeah, definitely the amount of time you dive is very dependent on what side of the river you're on and how much air you've got. I, I never go more than 1,000 pounds before I try to go back across. I mean, because you just don't want to get out and get lost. Okay, well, I'd like to thank everybody who's listened to the program, which we've done a couple times tonight. But we're hoping that you're enjoying this and that you're getting some amount of value. If you are, whatever that amount is, send it to us. You know, if it's a dollar, if it's $5, if it's $1,000, who knows? Whatever you're getting value out of this program, we would certainly appreciate if you could share it with us. If you can't give us money, that's fine. We like the reviews. You know, the those five-star reviews gets people to listen to the program. Uh, share it with a friend. If you've got uh, tips, we have people who send us uh, notes on articles they think we would like. Uh, if you got a bad joke, any of that stuff, uh, that certainly helps out the program. Uh, it's a value-for-value value type of model. It, it helps make things better. Also, let us know if you like the program or not. Uh, what, what, or what we can do to make it better for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you are, you can go to our website. You click on any of the episodes we have linked in the website, and that will bring up uh, a page that will have the right column. We'll have a Patreon link. 
or you can go directly to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash goobobsessed. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash goobobsessed. We're on Twitter at scoobobsessed. Uh, any of those are great ways to get a hold of us. Um, and we, we appreciate it. You know, here we are on the 12, 13 seasons now of, of doing the program. Well over 500 episodes. Someday we'll figure this out. You know, usually it, it, maybe you don't want us to figure it out because that's the time where we'd say we're done. It's no fun anymore. We got it goes too smooth. We need we need more aggravation <laughs> when, when, when it doesn't. Has it, when has it ever gone smooth? I did, I don't know. Uh, I'm amazed uh, for as long as I've been in the information technology field. Uh, this is just enough unknown variables that aren't quite up to snuff. So. A lot of work goes into making sure that this happens. Uh, but we enjoy doing it overall. So thank you very much. And are you ready for that time of the show? Yes, I am. Let's see, I think we should still be streaming. I don't think anybody's in the chat room. So uh, they, they, they won't be able to critique us on our, our bad joke. I, I, th I think I've got one or two. Let me see. I'm trying to get stuff queued up here. Yep. I think. So, so are, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. What do you call an overweight monk going scuba diving? A deep fat fryer. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know if that would be enough. So here's one. Uh, we we can blame somebody who's typically in the chat room for this one. Uh, well, we won't throw her under the bus right away, but uh, I may edit it out. We'll just have to see how it goes. So here it is. One day, a man who had been stranded on a desert island for over 10 years saw a speck on the horizon. He thought to himself, it's certainly not a ship. And as the speck got closer and closer, he began to roll out the possibilities of a small boat or even a raft. Suddenly, there emerged from the surf a wet-suited, black-clad figure. Putting aside the scuba gear and on top of the wetsuit, there stood a drop-dead gorgeous blonde woman. The glamorous blonde strode up to the man and said to him, Tell me, how long have you been here since you've had any cigarettes? Ten years, replied the amazed man. With that, she reached over and zipped a waterproof pocket from the left sleeve of her wetsuit, pulled out a fresh pack of cigarettes. He takes one, lights it, takes a long drag. Well, faith and begora, the man says. That is so good, I almost forgotten what it's like, how great a smoke can be. And how long has it been since you've had a good drop of whiskey? Asked the blonde. Trembling, the castaway replied, uh, ten years. Hearing that, the blonde reaches in her right sleeve, unzips a pocket there and removes a flask and hands it to him. He opens a flask and took a long drink. The nectar of gods, stated the man. Tis truly fantastic. At this point, the gorgeous blonde started to slowly unzip the front of her wetsuit right down the middle. She looked at the trembling man and asked, And how long has it been since you've played around? With tears in his eye, the Irishman fell to his knees and sobbed. Sweet Jesus, don't tell me you've got golf clubs in there, too. I've heard that one. That's always good. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, everybody has a different priority after 10 years of what they miss. I suppose. So on that note, go out there and get wet. And stay safe.